Welcome to Bethel World Outreach Church. Our values are devotion, diversity, and discipleship. Devotion through honoring God by trusting His Word, praying, and worshiping together. Diversity by embracing God's heart for every nation. And discipleship by helping others follow Jesus. So join us as we're reaching a city to touch the world. God bless you. God bless you this morning. Hallelujah. If you're like me, you have pulled out your large clothes because you've been eating as much as possible. I did not have limits. It's fun to eat without limits. I'm going to limit myself today, but the last three days, I did not limit myself. It's good to see you. I'm glad you're here. Many of us, as we gathered over this weekend, were reminded about how good home can feel. You have relatives, moms and dads are in town, aunts and uncles are in town, children are in town, and it just feels good to have everybody home. As Dorothy would say from The Wizard of Oz, there's no place like home is where the it's just some good feeling you have and you love it. And so when you don't have home in the way you really want it, you notice it. You can feel it and it deeply impacts you. Recently, um, what was the name of the organization, Pastor Dave, that we went and fed the homeless with and went to Tip City? Cook, cookery. We went to the, the cookery, was, you know, was going to feed the, the, the homeless at the kick cookery. And uh, so we went down to Tent City and, and really talked to the homeless in Nashville. And I was talking to a man and, uh, and I asked him, you know, when you, the chances of you saying something inappropriate are high sometimes because you don't know what the appropriate language is. So if, forgive me if this offends you. You know, I didn't know I said, because uh, I, I said something silly like, What's it like being homeless? You know, it was, it, it, you know, just, you're trying to figure out the language, you know, it just was awkward. And I was like, man, I don't like how I said that. And he said, he said, ho, 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 I'm not homeless. He said, I'm home free. <laughs> no. <laughs> well, it's true. He said, I'm not homeless. I don't want you to think I'm homeless. He said, I'm just home free. I said, what's that mean? He said, I don't have to pay rent. <laughs> he said, I'm <laughs> but what he called home and he was serious he said he said hey let's go back over to my tent because i see somebody over there i want them to steal from me and i was in this whole area and it was a little dog there i said that's your dog he said that's the kind of community dog we just you know just take turns what he considered home was different but every human being is so desperate to identify where they fit, it doesn't matter really what it looks like. If, you know, when I grew up, you know, I didn't know we were poor at one point because you were just home. You didn't know. When my mama said, go in there and eat you a mustard sandwich, I just thought, oh, it's mustard sandwich day. <laughs> We're not having the fried bologna today. We're just doing the mustard on the, on the bread. Okay? It's serious. I know what it's like to be in that 
time of your life or that season of your life where your home gets blown up because of someone else's mistakes or abuse or or what have you. And we ended up at a time when we were homeless. That's serious. And you're and when you grow up like that and then God blesses you to have something back, you kind of really work hard to maintain your home. You want to control it. Even though the reality is home over time fluctuate. Children grow up and leave. Parents get older and pass. There are things that happen to adjust that. The disciples, as we look at them today, are going to go into a situation where that feeling of homelessness comes on to them because Jesus has been crucified. He's risen from the dead, but he is not physically with them in the same way that he was before. But he left them something to comfort them. And he said, I want you to go wait in Jerusalem till you be endued with power. And they began to gather as a community in the upper room, 120 people, to recreate what God gives everybody, I believe. Home. So I want to look at Acts chapter, just so y'all know, I know that these are female glasses. I can't find mine and I had to wear my wife's glasses. So there's no sense in somebody asking a question like, who, what, what happened there? I just told you, just let that go. All right, it's gonna be like that today. That's how it is. Let's just keep reading the Bible now. <laughs> Acts 2, 33. Through 36, let's just read, we're going to read the result and then, I'll, and then I'll, I'll preach a greater context for you after we read the result. Ready? Read. So here we go. Their idea of home is blown up. They left everything that was comfortable for them to follow Jesus. And he said, foxes have homes, birds have nests, but the son of man have nowhere to lay their head. And for three years, they just traveled around and they lived with Jesus. Jesus had been telling them that he was going to be crucified and he was going to, you know, rise again from the day. He'd been telling them all that. They didn't actually get it. And so when it happened, they were bewildered. They were a little bit lost. They were wandering. He was constantly trying to, trying to gather them. He gets them to the point 40 days after his death. He said, y'all just go wait in Jerusalem until you get in due with power so I can get, I want you to get back into an environment where you're together and you're not scattered. I want you to get into a spiritual home. It's so funny that all their natural stuff was blown up. And he said, just get, get, get into the house. 120 people, what were they doing when they were in that upper room? I don't believe it was a house. I believe that it was a room that was off of the temple because it was two uh, houses weren't that big. 120 people in the room worshiping and praying to God over the next 10 days until the point that they got in such unity that the Bible says suddenly 
there came a sound from heaven as a rush and mighty wind and the spirit of God filled the place where they were sitting and they all were filled with the spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the spirit gave them utterance and people God fearing Jews from all over the place start hearing them speak in their own language from all over the world the miracle of God the Holy Spirit the gift of the Holy Spirit not just dwelling in you but the Holy Spirit upon you spilled out into people who were estranged from God and had no relationship no home and no connection with him were actually able to hear them praising God and glorifying God and pointing to God it was miraculous See, God is not just trying to give you a natural home or just give you a spiritual home. He's trying to connect those people who have no home with him whatsoever until this body of believers. It was pretty amazing. Then Peter got up once the spirit was poured out and he began to preach. This is what the Old Testament was talking about. He said, your sons and daughters are going to prophesy, you know, that I was going to pour out my spirit on all flesh. This is what David was talking about when he said, I said to my Lord, hey, sit here on my right hand until I make your enemies your footstool. The Bible says they were speaking about the resurrection of Jesus Christ. This is the moment he's talking about the gospel. You will never get rid of the homeless feeling we all have as long as you're estranged from Christ. I'm not talking about visiting his house. I'm talking about living in his house. I'm not talking about knowing about his house. I'm talking about being transformed by his house. I'm not just talking about cognitively understanding the gospel. I'm talking about embracing and accepting the gospel. He said, this Jesus whom you crucified, he is both Lord and Christ. I think far too often we think about God as strong and we think about him as as powerful and mighty, but we don't think about him as our personal Lord who gets to tell us what to do, how to do it, and when to do it, and, and he gets to define everything. Far too often, Jesus is just listed in the list of religions and ways that you can get to God. Hey, you got transcendentalism, you got Muslims, you got the Buddhists, you got the, you, you got the Hindus, you can just go anywhere. I, I see it going on now. I was just listening to a Hindu talking and, and, and merging Christian values with Hinduism and saying, isn't it all the same anyway? No, it is not. Because... In the world religion, you say multiple ways lead to God. And I'm saying with Christ, there is only one name. That's what that scripture said. There is only one name. I'm going to say it again just in case the devil didn't hear it good enough. There is only one name given among men whereby you can be saved. And that's the name of Jesus Christ. All paths, all roads do not lead to God. Why? This is not abrasiveness toward other people who are doing good moral things. Can other religions be moral? Yes. If somebody say don't lie, is that good? Yes. Don't kill? Yes. But it has nothing to do with who can atone for your sins and who can give you eternal life. When I'm dead in trespasses and sin, who can get me out of that? I need that savior. I want the person who was wounded for my transgressions, bruised for my iniquity, the chastisement that brought peace was upon him. I want all that Jesus. Because while other things are good and they are moral, they don't bring you out of darkness into light. There is only one Lord. There's only one name. 
Everything above, underneath, and in the earth must bow to this name. It's the name of Jesus. It's not enough to be cognitively aware of salvation. You know, it, I'm going to tell you something. I was the guy who took advantage of all Christian services growing up. They was giving out clothes, we were there. God bless the Christians. They was giving out food baskets, we were there. Christmas gifts to the kids, toys for tots, hey, we were there. Sunday school, Bible class, prayer meeting, confirmation service, altar boy, bell ringer, uh, Christmas pageant, Christmas play, all the extra choir services, and all that, hours in church, hours around Christ without Christ. You see, the people outside of the upper room were very religious. They showed up for everything. They was on time. They knew the word. They knew the, the Bible. They knew all of the stuff. They just didn't know him. In fact, these are the people that said, crucify him. Tear him down. Because we believe that God is the way. We don't believe Jesus is the way. You see, this thing of you can make it without Christ is not new to our generation. It's been in the world for a long time. You can make it without Christ. But you cannot. There is only one way. So, so he says, when you, he said, it is impossible for those who have once been enlightened, tasted of the heavenly gift, if they should fall away to redeem them again, seeing that they crucify Christ afresh. What is he saying? He's saying, you, God can't reveal to you who he is. You know, and you reject it and agree with those who crucify him that he should be crucified. And then say, I'm getting in. This is, this is where, if you really want a long-term spiritual home and not spiritual guessing and spiritual roulette, you better solve the mystery for you. He's not just Christ. He didn't just do the work of salvation. I must make him Lord of my life. See, he moves you from, from confusion to clarity. No, there's no other way. He's moving this group that's around from all over the world to clarity. And I want you to know, he, they're having a supernatural experience. Let's just take a moment here and just understand what's going on. God, the Holy Spirit, that dwelled in, in Jesus, because he was God, that, that was upon him. He was conceived by the Holy Spirit. He had the Spirit without measure. That same Spirit, the Bible says they are seeing and hearing. It poured out on people. The same Spirit that was on Jesus. What a gift. What a, what a powerful opportunity to get clarity it's amazing to me that the spirit comes and then the word being preached comes and it brings great clarity sometimes the spirit comes and nobody knew what was going on and then the and then the prophetic word comes and this is what was spoken of by the prophet joel that in the last days i will pour out my spirit upon all flesh your sons and daughters will prophesy too often we say i want to be a spirit church because we want to we want to fall out, run, roll around. We want to we want to huck a buck a shot. And I, and I like it. Because I can do it. 
and I can enjoy it, far too often we get stuck there. And we, don't, we forget that there was a sermon that was preached right after, bringing clarity and sobriety to try to translate the people that was in darkness into the light. Because if you have a home within the church and your, you, and your invitation doesn't go outside of the church so that other homeless people can get in, you're missing the point. When the first church was being birthed, it was being birthed with a blessing on the inside that spilled out to the outside to include those who were estranged. The homeless man needs. You know what the, the homeless man was talking to me? I said, after I was messing up with my intro, like, hey, what's it like being homeless? I just said, can you just give me an education of what's going on with you? And I said, he said, I, at first he was mad at the church, you know, because the church wanted to come down here and tell me what to do. And everything. I just listened. And then, and then eventually he said, you know, he said, but I, I, I have done some bad things at church. I said, what'd you do? He said, well, I come high. I come drunk. He said, I come and... And I, and I can't hold my bowels and I just, you know, but I come because I know they'll clean it up. And I just like to dump to them my, my, my problems. And I said, do you still come? He said, I stopped coming because I, I felt like I just don't belong there. But do you want to be there? He said, I want to be there, but I don't belong there. And I said, well, number one, you want to take care of some of that stuff because it's a whole crowd of people that probably don't want to go through what you're saying unnecessarily. So you don't lose your mind just because somebody's hurt. I said, yeah, you need to take care of your addiction. You need to take care of that stuff, but you don't need to think that you don't fit. You do fit. Jesus died for broken people. I'm going to say it again. Jesus died for the broken people in your family, the broken people who don't call his name yet. And guess what? They're never going to have a transformation unless the spirit of God can pour out on you to the degree that it pours out on them. And they and they can say, I got a revelation. And look, and look at the next verse. Look what the next verse says when they begin to preach the Lord in Christ. What is what does that next verse say? I think it's verse thirty eight. No, thirty seven. Ready, read. Stop. When they heard where they really stood with God, when they heard they were outside versus inside, they were enemies versus friends, they were not spirit empowered, they were not spirit empowered, and they were not really connected with the one true God, but they were really outside of that, and that they actually participated in abusing and hurting the one true God. When they found out how dark their life really was, instead of saying and accusing God of being bad, or God of doing wrong, and the world of being off, they said they were convicted or cut to the heart and said, now what do we need to do to fix it? What do we need to do? And until each of us as individuals get to the point of understanding what is our negative contribution to the world that Jesus has given us an opportunity through accepting him to get right is, then we are, we're still just on the outside. But you know that you have an opportunity to get out of that homeless situation when you start asking yourself the right questions. What do I need to do? Not what does he need to do? What do you, you need to do? What do I need to do? I got a long list of things that people should correct in their life if I was God and I could force them to do it. 
But then I've got to look at me. And he says, I'll tell you what y'all need to do. Repent. Be baptized, every one of you, in the name of the Lord Jesus for the forgiveness of your sins. And receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Repent. Change of heart. Change of mind. Change of direction. You're going to have to change, not through your power, but through the revelation of what he did and the appreciation for it that it motivates you and inspire you to turn from your old life and embrace the new life that he's given you in Christ. What connects you to the family is who, how you treat Jesus. Jesus is the head of our household. He is the Lord of our household. He's the savior and the deliverer. And if you treat him abusively, you can't be in this house. You're going to have to, the question when you get to eternity is, what did you do with Jesus? There needs to be a conviction, not anger. Far too often as a pastor, I've sat at the bedside of people going out of this life into the next, at the bedside. And I, and I said, well, do you want Christ? And they'll tell me no. And they said, why? They said, I'm looking, you got a deficit. I'm looking for the moment to stand before him and ask him some questions before I figure out if I want to be in his house. That attitude is more pervasive than you think because there's an all-time low of attendance in God's spiritual house. People are coming to church instead of, people will go to church, I told you, every, they would go to church Every week for at least three days, at least three hours. The early church was going to the temple and house to house daily. All those prayer meetings, all those Sunday school classes, you know, all those Wednesday nights, Bible studies, Kiwanis, all that stuff. Help us develop to who we are now. Hours of prayer meetings. Do you actually think, beloved, I don't know how I got here, but I'll stay here. Do you actually think we can function, our home is functional, that you don't participate in, that you don't hang out in, that you don't know the values of, that you can't appreciate, you, you won't even want it. God has provided an environment that when you do it his way, great power is available, great purpose is available. How many people did I talk to during the holiday season who don't know their purpose, don't know their calling, don't know their direction, don't know the spirit, spiritual benefits of being connected to spiritual family and a, and, and a spiritual home, they ha have said that Jesus is, the, Jesus is the Christ and Jesus is the Lord, but they live like they're the Lord and they're the savior of their own life. But I'm so grateful that he gives us an opportunity to be cut to the heart. Conviction gives you an opportunity for a behavioral change. Conviction gives you an opportunity to repent. What is repentance? Let's just read this scripture for those who are taking notes. Who's taking notes? Good job, you Holy Ghost saints. <laughs> Second Corinthians 7, 10. I don't know if you have this verse, but I just want you to hear what repentance looks like. Did I give you that? If I didn't, I'm going to read it. But I didn't want to put the girl glasses on no more. Okay, here we go. Let's put that up. This is, it's going to list things in here that enumerate what repentance looks like. Because I think far too often we say we repented, but we haven't. Ready? Read. Okay, this next one, let's get, get together. 
Verse 11. Ready? Read. Eagerness to clear yourself. What indignation, what fear, what longing, what zeal, what punishment. At every point, you have proven yourselves innocent in this matter. In other words, repentance produces results. Repentance reveal, true repentance reveals your heart. This is not, I'm, I'm sorry, this is not that I got caught. This is not, well, you know, I just think it's the religious right thing to do. This is a transformed heart. And when you come to Christ as Lord and Savior in his home is the result of true repentance, baptism. Back in that day, uh, and I'm saying if you're here and you've never been baptized, the greatest thing you can do is go ahead and get baptized. Because God commanded us to get baptized. What does that do? This is an outward demonstration of an inward conviction and transformation that Christ has done in your life. It's identifying with his death, burial, and the resurrection. It's saying I've surrendered my life to him. It's a public declaration that I'm his and not I'm not mine. I'm not my mom's. I'm not all those people. I have a relationship with them, but I, I follow Jesus completely and I'm going to follow him all the days of my life. When this early people who had just screamed crucify him, him were hearing that they needed to get baptized. He was inviting them into a somewhat of a death sentence. A lot of times we don't want to identify with Christ publicly. We will do it privately because it will affect our business. It is affect our advancement. It'll affect our academics. I'm, I'm going to tell you the truth. For God I live and for God I die. You have got to embrace this as early and as soon as possible or you will be controlled by a narrative that did not come from him. It's just what, what you, you feel at the time. Repentance, baptism. So this month, if you've never been baptized, if you've never been obedient to Christ, if you may have never made a public declaration, I just want you to start telling your life group leaders, call into the church. And, and, I, and I told them, I don't know how I'm going to do this, but I just want to open the pool up. Because maybe that's the thing you need to get right during the holiday season. Because until you make Jesus Lord, you will not have a home. Not nothing worth going to. And I know that sounds bad, like your, your family don't love you. Your family is great. They're a gift from God, but you can't even fully enjoy them without having him. It's temporal. He said, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. And it, it going on to the next verse, I can just quote it, but the next verse says, but this gift is for you, for your children, for your children's children, and as, and as many as called upon the name, what I said it wrong? Oh, it's up there. Y'all read. Ready? Read. <laughs> okay, yeah, that's why I'm going to stop. Thank you. I was a believer for a long time. And then I became a real believer. And then I knew nothing about not just God dwelling in me by his spirit, but being upon me like he did in Acts chapter 2 on them. And I remember going to a church with a little girl named C.C. Gumpton that was at my uh, university. She said, you need to get filled with the Holy Spirit. 
I said, I am filled with the Holy Spirit. She said, she said, the Spirit dwells in you, but we want the Spirit upon you. And I, and I, and, and I said, well, I, I think I had the Spirit upon me. And she said, you're never a bold about Jesus. You're never confessing him to others. You know, saying, I don't see you move out in the gifts. So she began to kind of break me down. I said, I and then she took me to the scripture. He that hungers and thirsts after righteousness shall be filled. And she said, you hungry for him? And she took me from church to church to church. And they would, they would, they would have, back in the day, they would have you stand and uh, do a Terry service. Yeah, anybody know what Terry service is? You just stand there on the altar past the day and wait. Like they did in Acts. And while you're waiting, you just say, Jesus. And then you say, Jesus again. And then you spend hours just saying, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Until your mouth is so dry, your tongue is sticking to the roof of your mouth. And somebody say, there it is. There it is right there. He's going as the spirit is on him. I want to say, no, I just need some water. I, my mouth is dry. But in moments like that, being hungry, and then the church mother coming up to me, and she asked me the question. She says, Jesus, Lord. I said, yes. Then she said, receive him. I mean, I was baptized in the spirit because the Bible says receiving the gift of the spirit is being baptized in the spirit. It's called the promise of the spirit. God, not just in you, but upon you. And I began to speak like they did in Acts chapter 2. And it was pretty profound. And you know what I did? I got baptized again. Because I realized there was something about my faith walk before that I just didn't embrace fully all that God has for me. It makes me think, that baptism that I experienced makes me think about verse 30, uh, 39. No, 40. And with many other words, he bore witness and continued to exhort them, saying, save yourselves from this crooked generation. Uh, I, if ever there is a message for us as a community, as a society, is save yourself from this crooked generation. Save yourself. Come on home. Don't visit. Come home. Don't look into the window. Come home. Walk on through the door. Don't be partial. Come home. If you're coming home, receive everything that he has. You have to receive it. How he said, and for those, verse 41, for those who received his word. This word receive means to violently grab. You see, oh, that's mine. I want more of the Holy Ghost. I want more of the gifts. I want all deliverance and salvation. I'm, I'm, I'm grabbing, I'm receiving all of this. It's mine. It's possessive. Those who received it, they were added that day, 3,000. They were baptized and they were added, 3,000. I don't know if this was spirit baptism or water baptism. I assume it's water baptism. There's a lot of people to baptize. But they didn't mind identifying him in the, in the connotation here is the same thing that the first group received, they received. Therefore, I don't want to just be in a church 
where we get his words, but not his spirit. We get his salvation, but not his deliverance. You know, we get his forgiveness, but not his reconciliation. I want the whole thing in my house. I know what it's like to be homeless. So if at home is where his spirit is, that's where I want to be. If he can get me out, of, that's where I want to be. And I want to tell you, I'm going to end with this because I think that the South will be completely transformed if we would just get filled with the spirit. I think that I think that bitterness could get routed out if we get full of the spirit. I think with the I think if we get full of the spirit, things that don't go together will go together. I think if, if, if husbands and wives and their families got together and just prayed for a moment and let the spirit of God come on in and bring healing and, and reconciliation. Sometimes you can't do it through conversation. There was no more for them to talk about in the upper room. Their whole world had blown up, but they just got together and kept praying and worshiping God, hungry for God until the spirit of God came and gave them homeostasis again, gave them peace, gave them what they needed. I believe this is what Jesus is trying to give each and every one of you. But I have a question. Are you hungry for home? Are you hungry for everything home has to bring? Can you live without him or, or are you in a position where you can't live one more day without him? For some of you, that is true salvation because you have, you have given the appearance of being saved. You've given the illusion that you've saved, but you haven't surrendered your life. As a pastor, I've walked with enough people to know there is a true distinction. And I'm asking you to let the transforming power of the Lord Jesus Christ really come into your life. And if you're unsure, come get assurance. If you're backslidden, you need to come in. If you really don't know Jesus, like the young man who gave his life to the Lord last service, you need to give your life to the Lord. Even though you've been coming to church for a while, just give your life to the Lord. Who cares? God cares that you could come home. Lastly, there's a little benefit. I'm going to be talking about it all month, so don't worry. You're going to get chance after chance. But if God is pouring out his spirit, and all you need to do to receive his spirit is ask, I'm asking you not to be a people who comes to spectate, but participate in a level of worship that invokes God's spirit to be poured out on our congregation. I'm asking you to ask for a personal transformation so that whatever you've been hungry for, more than hungry for God, will fall away. Increase your hunger, increase your burden, and we will increase the move of God. We cannot force God to do anything, but if we worship him long enough, if we praise him from a pure heart long enough, the effectual, fervent prayer of righteous people makes much power available. If we would just do that, if we would just reach up to heaven and say, God, I just, I just want more of you. If we would just, just, just start living as, as people who, who are expecting for him to pour out on us. Because pouring out on you is the opportunity for somebody to see that. And come in. The Bible says when you pray in tongues, it is a sign to the unbeliever about God's love and care for them. That God cares for them. So rebuke fear out of your life. We on purpose didn't allow this to, be, to become uh, a service. We, we, we have to get in church to the degree where when God begins to move, it doesn't scare us away, but it moves us in. Perhaps he wants to pour out on you. And perhaps you might 
be touched in a way you've never been touched before. Perhaps you might feel such a freedom you want to run or jump or scream. And it might be appropriate for, for a moment. But then there's a word of clarity that'll come that'll benefit somebody else's life and not just your experience. Stand to your feet. Pastor Dave, join me on the stage. I don't know how to say this, but I know in here today are people who I know it because when I pray for the service and I'm getting the sermon ready, it's people who need to give their life to Christ. And you don't need music to give your life to Christ. You don't need tears to give your life to Christ. You don't need deep emotion to give your life to Christ. You just need to surrender your life to Christ. You do have to break free from embarrassment and judgment and what people think about you. You do have to break free of that. The Bible says, if you confess him before men, he'll confess you before his father. It's all right to make a public confession. The people who were invited to get baptized and repent, it was public thing. They were publicly getting baptized. You can't be ashamed. I'm not ashamed of the gospel. It's the good news. Nothing bad has happened to you because God is putting his finger on your life. This can't be just your parents' religion. Can't be just your spouse's God. You got to make him your God. Your Lord. Your Savior. So there's several ministry team you can come down. But I'm going to give time in this service for anybody who wants to walk down for the following two things. And then I'll just miss. If you need to get your life right with Christ and be, let Jesus become Lord of your life or come back to Jesus. You want to come home. Today is the day. This whole sermon is designed to let you come home. Come home. And the people waiting up here are waiting to pray for you. And they know how to bring you all the way home and give you assurance. If, you, if you've been saved, but you, you're not even sure you're saved, you get confused sometimes, you still need to come down and let us pray for you. The second group. You're just hungry for a move of the Spirit in your life. You need it. You can't, you can't wait on the, the group to to do it you, you you just need it then you just got to come down and let somebody pray for you and you can have a move of God's spirit in your life maybe you struggling with baptism come down but I'm gonna pray for you and I'm gonna invite you down y'all sing something then pastor Dave will find a way to dismiss us Lord I pray in the name of Jesus I rebuke every satanic and demonic force that would try to confuse the minds of any in here today God you love them and no matter what homeless feeling has come in, you're bringing them home. Whatever or lack of clarity has been there, you're bringing conviction right now. God, and you're putting them in a position where they can receive the blessing. Let all those who are backsliding come home today. All those who have never confessed you as a Lord from their heart and really believed it from their heart. Let them be free to do so today in the name of Jesus. Lord, I pray that they can feel that knocking at the door of their heart. You said if anybody open, you will come in. I'm asking that you come in in the name of Jesus. Lord, let free freedom come and anyone that needs to be filled with your spirit let them come in Jesus name you, you if you're in your seat you can worship but if you need to come down for prayer for any of the things I just named you can come down now
We're going to sing in just a second, but if you feel a movement in your heart that you need to come, just turn to someone next to you and say, would you come with me? Just come with me. Come right now. Don't wait. Just start moving as we sing.